0: This morning,
1: we'd like to return to our thoughts on evangelism in the church, and we'd like to just remind you of Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 as a uh, jumping off point. Uh, Acts chapter 8 and in verse 4 that they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word, and then in verse 1, that is, except the apostles. The apostles stayed there in Jerusalem, but those Jews that had been converted to the church and converted to the kingdom. They were scattered abroad through persecution, and everywhere they went, they had a, a joy and a zeal and an excitement to share the good news that they had been blessed to understand with those that he came in contact with. And and um, it's so important that we spend time together meditating upon this, because this is the bread and butter of the church, okay? This is the normal means through which God grows His church and expands His kingdom. Now, there are circumstances where people come from uh, lack of a personal interaction or lack of a personal connection. There, there are many people that have found... Uh, Permanent Baptist churches on the on the internet or through uh, some kind of media or some other means, and they've inquired themselves. And praise God for that. God is not limited in the way in which He expands His kingdom, but the normal way, the normal way that churches grow and that God's kingdom expands is by simply us sharing how good god has been with us in our life through personal witness and through personal testimony and that should always lead to an open door for us to uh, tell them that we believe in salvation by grace alone Uh, because every testimony and witness that we have in our life is not a testimony of how good we are and god blessing us because of how good we are no we don't deserve anything good of the Lord and every testimony we have is a testimony of grace so we've talked about this in previous weeks but I want to uh, remind you of uh, three aspects of evangelism that we've been trying to focus on three aspects of evangelism the first one is just simply having a what the Bible calls a godly conversation uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 lets your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ. And living in such a way that you are distinctive from the world, your light is shining in the midst of darkness, and um, as we discussed, it is a little bit of a different context, but it applies in evangelism as well. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15, that men can ask you a reason of the hope that is in you. There's something that's, that's identifying you that there is a hope within you, right? And if we are called upon in a legal proceeding to do that in that context, we certainly need to uh, be be able to do that. Uh, but if we just simply let our light shine in this world, uh, especially if we've, we've been protected in America with a general sense of cultural morality, that is now declining well if we're just returning back to the way things have always been for god's people and if you let your light shine people will notice people will notice and and god's children will be attracted to that but there's also another aspect of that that other people are going to notice too (laughs) those that live in darkness they're going to notice as well and there are certainly challenges to press into the kingdom so we uh need to live a God, and that's the foundation of evangelism anyway because uh, if you uh, do not exhibit that godliness in your daily life, your testimony is kind of rendered null and void. Um, you know, the, the basis of the word hypocrite that we have in, a, in the American English speaks of an actor, and that's when they used to have plays. You know, nowadays they go off stage and they change, but in the plays back in the day, you would have the same person stay on stage, and what they would literally do is just put on a new mask, right? They they would play one character with one mask, then they just put that mask down, and they'd put on another mask. Same person, but an entirely different character, a literal two-face, if you will, right? And there's not a, a very good testimony or witness in your life if people hear you talking about all the ungodliness that you're engaging in on Saturday night, but then you brag about what a blessed service you had on Sunday. Those are contradictory. And uh, if we do not live a godly life, then it will um, render null and void the witness that we hope to have. So that that's the baseline foundational testimony that our life is a testimony to others. And it's fairly cliche in Christianity, but it's also true that you may be the only Bible that someone ever reads. Um, uh, another good quote kind of in that same arena is uh, the best sermon I ever heard was the sermon I saw, right? Through our actions, not your, your words are rendered null and void if your actions don't back it up. That's what James chapter two talks about. You're, you show me your faith without your works. Well, I'll show you my faith by my works, right? Your, your works have to back up the faith that you profess through uh, the godliness of our life. One example of that <clears throat> is Stephen in Acts chapter 6. He's one of the godly men, men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom that ordained as a deacon. And uh, he, he seemed to have a, a little bit more um, blessing of the Lord than, than I guess you would say, a rank and file deacon. We, we find that, that Philip was a deacon, but he was later ordained as an evangelist to be able to baptize. And, and he's known as Filthy Evangelist. But we see there that Stephen did signs and wonders. So uh, God gave him a little bit more spiritual blessings uh, there in that community. But people saw his manner of life, saw the things that he was doing. And Stephen was not necessarily, um, we don't see an indication in Scripture, that he was necessarily called to preach. But he was just serving God in his community, in his sphere of influence, uh, as as faithfully as he knew how. And inevitably, people started questioning him. And what did he do? He just stood up and he testified of the truth. of, uh, And unfortunately, the truth (laughs) that he articulated in Acts chapter 7 that led to him losing his life. The truth is that these Jews that are that in that day that were rejecting Jesus Christ, they had a history of rejecting God for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they really didn't like when Stephen reminded them of that. He just gives a very good summary of the Old Testament and said, at every step of the way, our heritage is messing up. <laughs> our heritage is rejecting God. And unfortunately, now this generation is, is even ascending to a, to a higher level because God manifesting the flesh is here and you're rejecting him as well. But <clears throat> what Stephen did though, is his manner of life exhibited a witness, people questioned him for that and he just simply stood up where he was, preached the truth, and some people didn't like hearing the truth and he had the blessed privilege of serving the Lord faithfully unto the end, and being wafted into heaven as he had a vision of Jesus Christ standing up to welcome him into heaven. But Stephen, <clears throat> Stephen was just simply a good, godly man that was standing up for truth in his daily life in the sphere of influence that he had, okay? Okay, so that, that's the first aspect of evangelism, the foundational cornerstone of living a godly life and a testimony through our actions of the people around us. The second of those is really where I'm going to focus today, and this is the bread and butter of church growth, and that is relationship evangelism. This is interacting with those that are our family and our friends, those that we already have, close relationships with that they trust us they trust the truth of our testimony and when you tell them something they're going to believe it you know if we need to have a discerning mind and if somebody else tells you if you hear read something on the internet or hear something on the news you need to have a discerning mind and don't just take that at face value but there are people that we trust that i take everything you say as the gospel truth and when you deliver a testimony to them of God's blessing and truth in your life, it will have an impact. And then the third aspect of that is sharing the news with those that we don't know personally. And there are many examples of that. Now, obviously, you know, the primary example there would, would we can look at the Apostle Paul all throughout the book of Acts. And, but he had a unique calling and a unique, unique powerful gift um, for the purpose of establishment of the church. You know, we've talked about that in prior messages about how he preached daily in the marketplace and daily in the school of Tyrannus. But we, we certainly have some degree of, of <coughs> obligation to still do that today. But yet that was in an environment where there was no church and no witness at all, okay, so this was a unique situation where how was people how are people going to find out about the truth? By him just preaching publicly, right? And we still need to do that. I, I don't think the uh, original church's mandate has been relinquished for us to still do that. But understand, the primary way that God's kingdom grows is not by... God can use it, okay? If God burdens you to do that and, and opens a door and gives you an opportunity then you need to follow the Lord and, and the open doors that he's provided for you. But the way that the kingdom expands is not by people standing on street corners preaching to strangers. That had its place because there was no church in these cities, okay? And again, if God calls you to do that, follow the leadership of the Spirit. And I need to do the same. But the primary way that God expands his kingdom is not by us preaching to strangers, it's by us just delivering to those that we're close with, our family and our friends, those that we have relationships with, about the witness and testimony of God's blessings in our experiences in our life. And if the Spirit is in the matter, if God is guiding in the matter through His Holy Spirit, He will convict and guide those people to be attracted to the kingdom and to the light. That is the primary means by which God expands his kingdom. We've already talked about in Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius <clears throat> when Cornelius was excited about what was upcoming and what he anticipated that Peter was, was telling him. He was praying, and the Lord appeared a vision to him to send for Peter, and he believed and was so excited about what was up. He didn't know what Peter was going to say. He didn't know the message of the gospel yet, but whatever it was, God had guided him in such a way where I am sending a messenger to you. And you know what? If I believe this message is going to be good for me, I also believe it's going to be good for those that I love. So who am I going to invite? I'm going to invite my family and my near kinsmen, my close friends, because if if I'm excited about this message being good for me, I'm really excited about it being a blessing to them too. So he invited his family and his close friends because he was just excited about anticipation about what the Lord was going to give him through Peter. And... As we've told you many times before, and especially in this context, we are already natural evangelists. We are. We're already natural evangelists, especially with our family and our friends. I mean, we all have a group of people, five to ten people, maybe bigger for you, maybe smaller for you. But when good things happen, there are a group of people that you are going to proactively notify and tell them about good things that happen, right? And unfortunately, sometimes we gotta deliver bad news. You know, bad things happen, and you gotta tell. There's a group of people that you are going to express the witness and testimony of what's happening in your life already, right? That's the way we're wired. God has has wired us for for close relationships and close fellowship, He's wired us for that. And part of that, that closeness of fellowship is by sharing experiences together but sharing sharing the good and the bad together and we already do that, right We already do that because that's how God wired us. We already witness and, and deliver a testimony to those that are closest to us. we already do that, right The thing we just have to meditate on is what am I talking about? what's what's at the top of my uh, my list that I'm that I'm excited to share with people. You know, this is just so condemning. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, back in the, it actually is a very important component of me, uh, beginning to speak, which is a lot bigger story than that. But but multi level marketing companies understand this relationship evangelism better than anybody. <laughs> you know, you sign up for multi level marketing, uh scheme if you will you know business whatever you want to call it and they're going to say you know we don't want you to just talk to you know random people no you just talk to your family you talk to your close friends and you set up some meetings and tell them about tell them about what a good thing it's been for you you know i I was involved in a company called limu it's seaweed but i guess it's still out there seaweed it's pretty good uh it's expensive, but you know it has a lot of medical benefits. Uh, if you have a big enough budget to be able to drink it, but there are a lot of people though. Um, lady I worked with, her husband had—he uh, just recently passed away. But he had multitudes of health problems, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, and all this stuff. And then he started drinking this this Limu seaweed stuff, and then all of a sudden he got off of his blood pressure medicine. His his uh, blood sugar was like stabilized. And and what they said was, you know, you don't need to go sell this stuff. You just tell other people about, I drank this stuff. I, I committed to this, and these are the benefits it's had for me. It may have the same benefits for you. And it's amazing how the multi-level marketing business, boy, they understand we are already natural evangelists, right? We already deliver witness and testimony to those that we're closest to. And because you already have a relationship with them, because they already trust you, your witness carries weight, okay? Your witness carries value. It already carries weight. So they're going to listen to you so much more than somebody they don't know, okay? And, you know, I don't get enough of them, but I, I love questions, you know, I love people asking me questions as a minister and there's absolutely a place in your interactions with others where you know maybe you reach a point where you say you know I don't really know the best answer to that Um, let me either ask my pastor or let you talk to my pastor and I I love that I want to be available to do that but when people start asking you about the church you attend your first response should not be well actually you need to talk to my pastor about that (laughs) No, your first response should be, let me tell you about what joy I have in the kingdom. Let me tell you about what a peace, salvation by grace alone has been to my soul. You know, I used to be, maybe this is your story. I used to be, uh, burdened down with the weight and, and the works of this world that I felt like I had to do something to go to heaven and now that yoke of bondage was liberated because that's what these Jews were going through right? These Jews had felt that that weight of the law their entire life and now all of a sudden they're like in a different way that, that man that was high, uh, healed there, that lame man uh, in, in Acts chapter 3 that was healed, that was lame his whole life and then he, he was uh, leaping and, and walking and praising God. He was jumping up around because he was just so happy uh, to be to be healed. Well, that's how these Jews felt because they'd been lame and walking around. That, that weight of the law was so heavy, it's like they'd been lame for their whole life. And now all of a sudden, we can walk and leap and praise God because we know that Christ paid it all on the cross. All you have to do is say, this is what a blessing the, the gospel has been to me. And you know, I love you, I care about you, and I, and I see that you're not walking around with as much joy. I say this while we love in the world. You're not walking around with as much joy as you should have. Now, this is why your manner of life really matters. Let, when you say, let me tell you what joy I have, but you walk around with a frown all the time, right? I mean, how attractive is that gonna be? And, and you know, bless my heart, okay? <laughs> Uh, my natural disposition, especially when I'm where I'm focused, I furrow my brow when I'm focused, and I look, uh, I look a little mad, you know. And I and I have to be. I've I've learned that over the years, and and I try to be aware of it, but unfortunately, it returns to my natural focused face. And, and when we were auditing, people got all nervous. They said I had the auditor eye. It got a little bit nervous. I'm going to start confessing to. Things they hadn't even done yet because they didn't even really do, because they got a little nervous because mm. apparently I looked that mad at them. Oh. So, you know, I know where I speak, right? I mean, I mean we're all in this together. I mean, my face needs to be a little bit more joyful. <laughs> you know, when you tell somebody, listen to the joy I have, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? I mean, uh, I feel weak from time to time, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. But if you walk around just complaining every day and and you, you have a frown on your face and you talk about how bad the politics is and how bad the weather is and, the, and everything's horrible and everything's horrible, they're going to say, okay, well, <coughs> I'm glad you got that joy. But it, yeah, your joy is not very attractive to me. <laughs> I mean, what, what we should be is living such a life that our joy is, is attractive right. to other people, right? They, they see the joy, that, that hope in, that's inside of us that we have. And, well, that's to my shame more than anybody. I mean, I, I wish that my, my joy, I have it, but it should overflow in my daily actions. But instead, it just simply doesn't. And I, I hope that I can have that testimony, that people can see that. And be attracted to it. Okay, let's go. let's go to John chapter 9. Okay, we have quite a few places that we'd like to get to. Um, and we'll see how far we get. John chapter 9. And here we have a blind man that's in the temple. And uh, so much here in this story, we're just going to have to hit the high points, which may be difficult. But Jesus uh, heals him. And Jesus just shows up and heals this man of his blindness. And just like anybody would be, right? And he's blind from his birth. Uh, We're not given an age of this man, you know, but I mean, if he's 30, 40 years old, I mean, how excited would you be if you lived 30 years, 40 years without being able to see anything and now, all of a sudden, you can see. You know, a good friend of mine um, who had very bad vision when he was younger and didn't realize how bad vision he had, uh, and then he got glasses mm-hmm. as a kid, and I remember him saying, wow, uh, trees aren't just blurs. Look at these amazing leaves on these trees. Like all of it. Look at this flower instead of a blur, right? He had no idea what he was missing. Uh, Because everything was blurry instead of being able to see properly. Could you imagine going from just darkness to being able to see? Well, you know, then you have these high and uh, lofty, prideful Pharisees, you know. And we need to be reverent in God's house, you know. Uh, um, Don't destroy the facility, you know. But it's it's okay for kids to run in the church, you know. It's okay, you know. This, you have these Pharisees that were like seeing this man who'd just been healed of blindness and he's just running around and excited and telling everybody about And they're like, listen now, you're showing a little bit too much joy for the temple, right? I mean, uh, you need to be more solemn. Why are you running around like, I was just healed of my blindness. I'm excited. Who did this to you? I don't know, some guy named Jesus. That's all I know, that's all I know. But it's funny how he was so excited from being healed that he was breaking proper protocol, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? This is not how people are supposed to act in the, in, in the temple. You're supposed to be, saw, and there's a place for that, right? But listen, this is a joyful kingdom. <laughs> this, is the, this is the place where we experience joy unspeakable. And full of glory this is not uh, this is not mount sinai praise god this is mount zion that's the joy of the whole earth and we need to be reverent we need to be reverent oh but we need to have so much more joy (laughs) than fear than approaching a modern day mount sinai we're not approaching mount sinai we're in mount zion so, this blind man, as anyone that had been healed of blindness after 40 years would be, he's just excited, right? He's just happy. Look at this rock, right? Look at this, this mundane thing that I've never had the privilege of seeing before. And then he's in the temple. Wow, this is what the temple looks like. This is what the altar looks like. This uh, is what the offerings, all this stuff that he'd never seen before, he'd only heard about. And he was just simply happy and excited for the blessing that the Lord had done in his life, right? And you know what? Surprise, surprise. Some people didn't like it. He was breaking protocol. He was acting joyful in the temple. There's no place for that. The Pharisees said, there's no place for that in here. Get out. And then they come to him and they asked him. He said, look, some guy named Jesus. I don't even know who he was. Then they come to his parents. His parents were all terrified I of being did. cast out of the synagogue. So they said, oh, well, he's of age. You ask him. They passed the buck back to him. So then, then they came back. Then they came back to him. This is in John chapter 9. <clears throat> and verse 24. And again, called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. <laughs> the irony of this is he is giving God the praise, right? <laughs> This man is God. He is giving God the praise. And listen, this, you know, you need to to study the word of God, grow. Don't don't be like those people in in Hebrews chapter 5 at the time where you should have been progressing. You should have been teachers. You're still babes in Christ. Grow and progress. But I want to tell you, being a witness to those around us is such a simple testimony Because I'll tell you, at a minimum, we all have this testimony. He he said, I don't even know who this guy is. Okay, whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. But this one thing I know, this one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Mm -hmm. And you want to know what the only difference in that is? Jesus Christ. And we all have that testimony. We all have that testimony that this is who I was, this is who I am now, and the only difference between who I was and who I am is Jesus Christ. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, every time that he was called up, uh, we, we talked about that in, from the book of Acts. You're called to be a witness of me. We cannot but speak. Acts chapter 4 and verse 20. We cannot but speak those things but which we have we have seen and heard. And And really... What happened is that Paul would stand up and, and he would say that this man was resurrected, right? Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And they would say, well, that's foolishness. No one's ever been resurrected. So then he gets called up in some legal proceeding, and he said, look, the reason why I know that that, uh, Jesus was resurrected is not by hearsay. It's not by some rumor. I saw him with my own two eyes. I saw him on the road to Damascus. He spoke to me. I saw the resurrected Christ. So you want to know what Paul did every time he stood up and he was called in a legal proceeding? He said, this is who I was, right? I was persecuting the church. I was the, I was the Hebrew of the Hebrews. I, I, I was on the fast track to the Sanhedrin. I was a big deal. I was a really big deal in the Jewish religion. And then I realized, I thought I was living, you know? The, the law I, I thought to be under life, I saw to be under death. You know, I thought that I was really living, But then Jesus appeared to me on the road to Damascus and he changed my course of life. And now that way that I used to persecute, now it's the way that I preach. That Christ that I used to deny and and, and compel others to blaspheme, now I confess him as the son of God. So everything, every time somebody questioned Paul, you want to know what he said? This is who I was. This is who I am. And the only difference is Jesus Christ. The only reason I am who I am is Jesus Christ. He summarized that so beautifully in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, right? And I didn't deserve it. It's, I I didn't, I didn't choose Christ on that road to Damascus. It was by grace. It was by unmerited favor. And I'm thankful that God has blessed me to serve him diligently. By grace of God, I am what I am. I labored more abundantly than they all. But I can't even take credit for that. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. You see, every time Paul was questioned, he said, this is who I was. This is who I am. And the only difference is Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, that's a powerful testimony in, in the amazing radical change that some people experience in regeneration, okay? Now, um, you're not required to have lived a horrible prodigal son life down in the pig pen for you to have a testimony of God blessing me to get, get me out of that, right? Uh, I tell my wife all the time, I believe she was born again in her mother's womb. (laughs) She has the most pure heart of anyone that I've ever seen. But it's good that you've never lived a life of degradation and sin, right? But you still have a testimony of this is who I was and this is who I am. Even if God born you again, like John the Baptist in his mother's womb. Mm -hmm. And we could say the same thing with a multitude of different situations in our experiences, right? This is a situation that I saw no hope in, that there was no way that this relationship, this situation could be, there was no way. But you know what? Somehow hard hearts were softened. Somehow people that were at enmity were reconciled. Somehow a door was opened that we you know, we were right up against the Red Sea and we said, oh, there's no way. Well, guess what? God opened a way in the middle of the sea, right? Well, when that happens in your life, your testimony should be, God blessed me in this situation, right? He did this. And naturally, when that happens, who are you going to tell? The people you're going to tell anyway, right? The people you're going to tell anyway. You're going to tell them anyway. Just brag on the Lord, right? Right? Just brag on the Lord and what he did. So this man says, Look, I don't know about all these politics you're playing. I don't know this guy's resume or his background. This one thing I know. This is who I was. This is who I am. I once was blind, but now I see. And the only reason is this guy named Jesus showed up, and I don't even know who he is. <laughs> and then I keep questioning, and, uh, you know, what did he do to you? He said, Look, I've already told you. <laughs> His his story isn't changing, right? That's that's so important as well. We have to be consistent. That goes back to number one. It goes back to the foundational thing we mentioned. We have to be consistent. We don't play Christian around Christians. And we don't play like the world around people that are worldly. We are consistent with the same testimony to everybody we come in contact with. Whether it was the Pharisees or Jesus, it did not matter. He told the same thing to everybody. Why? Because it was the truth. He's just simply delivering a witness and a testimony, and I'm just going to tell the truth. It doesn't matter who asked me. I'm going to tell the truth, because it is the truth. <clears throat> and they keep questioning him. <coughs> and uh, some really great kind of humorous interactions here uh, between them. Verse 32, since the world began... Uh, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. You know, I love how he's, he's delivering this witness. You want to know the beauty of this? At this point, he does not even know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But you want to know what he's doing? He's being a witness and testimony to everybody he comes in contact with by just simply relaying his experience. And then Jesus, they cast him out of the synagogue. They finally just get so sick of him, they throw him out. Jesus comes and finds him and says Jesus heard they cast him out of the sin of God verse 35 dost thou believe on the son of God this is very interesting right clearly this man's already born again clearly he's, he's being a witness to everybody around him and all of God's children will know the Lord from the least to the greatest in the soul but there's a lot of God's children that their head never catches up with their heart <laughs> their head never catches up with their soul you know and there's some people that take this to an extreme and say that every child of God is going to believe on jesus christ well there's a lot of limitations with that they're all going to know the lord and the soul but i can't think of a better example to calibrate that false assumption than this is a man who's clearly born again he's interacting with jesus he's witnessing everybody around him and jesus comes up and said do you know who the son of god is he said i don't know <laughs> clearly he's a child of god but man his head didn't get it yet his soul knew it his soul was overflowing with a witness bragging on Jesus, but his head hadn't figured it out yet. And he said, look, do you know who uh, the son of God is? He said, verse 36, who is he, Lord, that I might believe, by. who is he? He said, it's the guy that's standing right in front of you. <laughs> and he confessed him and he believed him. But I want you to see that what this blind man did was number one, there was something about what Jesus did for him that, was, that caused an excitement that was distinguishable to the people around him that caused them to ask him questions and when they asked him he just simply gave a witness right all the people that we interacted with he just told the same thing look I once was blind but now I see and the only reason is because of this guy that just randomly providentially randomly showed up name Jesus. Okay, now let's go to uh, John chapter 1 real quick. John chapter 1, and uh, I'll try to go through this quickly. We're going through the Gospel of John on uh, Wednesday nights, and uh, this is the section of Scripture, Lord willing, that we will probably be considering next week, so I'll try to um, not preach the same sermon twice. We'll try to brush over this as quickly as possible. John chapter 1, we see here two disciples of John the Baptist, and uh, they they seek Jesus. They're following Jesus. And uh, Jesus turns around and said, you know, what are you doing? Why, what seek you? Why are you following me? And they said, Rabbi, two disciples, one of them being Andrew. Don't know the name of the other one. Rabbi, where dwellest thou? And this is interesting. Jesus says, come and see, right? Now, we we know this, this uh, admonition to come and see from John chapter 1. But you want to know who kind of initiated the come and see? Jesus is the one that initiated the come and see. It's like, you know, We've been looking for this Messiah for hundreds of years, you know, and we're expecting him to, to come and probably make some bold declaration in the temple or in Jerusalem. But you just, you just kind of showed up on the side of the Jordan River, and then John pointed to you and said, this is the Lamb of God. We don't even know where you're from. And, and found out a little bit later he's from a very unassuming, surprising place called Nazareth that had a very bad reputation. So he said, uh, where, where are you from? And he said, come and see. Follow me. Follow me. Come and see. And then Andrew understands that this is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is who we've been looking for our whole life. All these Old Testament prophecies now are going to be fulfilled in front of our own two eyes And you want to know, I just guarantee you, the scripture doesn't elaborate on this, but I can guarantee you that, you know, Andrew was seeking John for a reason, okay? John's message resonated with him. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I just know in years past that Simon and Andrew had had conversations about is it, you know, every generation of the Jews, is the Messiah going to come in our lifetime? Are we going to see him? What's he going to look like? What's he? And, and they, they all kind of misinterpreted what he was going to look like. And so Andrew and Peter, Simon Peter, had had these conversations their whole life. Oh, we can't wait to see the Messiah, right? And now one of them identifies and says, we found him. So what does he immediately go do? Let me go tell everyone, and I just, I mean, he goes immediately to Peter, but you know he'd had those conversations with other people, right? You know, we've we've bemoaned together uh, desiring to see the Messiah. And I know if you're looking, if you're one of those people I had a conversation with in years past that you're looking for the same thing I'm looking for, if I found it, who am I going to go tell? I'm going to go tell you, right? Because I know that you're looking for the same thing I'm looking for. So he immediately goes and he tells Simon, his brother, right? Now, there came a time for them to be called as ministers and to go out with no provisions and to go preach to strangers. There came a time for that. But you want to know the first thing he did when he found out this was the Messiah? He went and told the person that he was the closest with. And that's how it all starts, I'll tell you. There's, There's been so many examples and, and stories in the kingdom of, you know, all it takes is one person to get it, one person to get it. And then that family joins the church. And then when you do that, that kind of starts, especially if you're coming from a different background, that kind of starts some ripple effects, right? Well, why are you, I've never heard of these people. It seems like they're a small church. Why are you joining the church? You know, you used to be going here, but now you're and not only that, some people get a little bit nervous, sometimes get a little offended. You got rebaptized. You know, that, that's a public offense of like, you, you were baptized in our church, and now you're going to be rebaptized over here. That's going to make people ask questions. Don't be afraid of those questions. That's, a, that's our opportunity to say, this is what I've found that is following, you know, Apollos was, was following God in the zeal and the knowledge that he had, but it took Aquila and Priscilla bringing him into their home and, and instructing him in the Word of God more perfectly, right? You know, there's a lot of very sincere children of God. They're doing the best they can with the knowledge they have, but they just need some people to bring them into their home to instruct more perfectly the Word of God. And, and uh, then they have the opportunity to say, you know, I believe this Is what the Bible really... Have you ever read Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4? It does say predestinate. You know? You you remember those conversations we used to have with our preachers? Well, they said, oh, no, that's for the high and the mighty. That's for the seminary people. It says it right here. You know, those are the conversations that people have had. And you want to know what happens? One person's converted. Their whole family gets it. You you know who they do? They tell other people about it. Why? Because it's it's the happening thing in their life. Like, if you are if you have found that treasure in a kingdom, that treasure in a field, right? Remember Matthew chapter 13? I mean, if you found a treasure in a field that's worthy of you selling all that you have, people are gonna notice when you start figuratively selling all that you have, right? People are gonna notice that. And if you think it's that valuable, then why would you not want everyone else to have that same value, right? But just that person... Being converted and joining the church, people are going to naturally ask questions. And you want to know what they do then? You know, if that, that person in the, is in those early stages, they're probably not going to be able to, to theologically explain practical sanctification and all the different aspects of justification and all the end time stuff. We'll get around to that. But you want to know what you tell them? <laughs> you know, I felt peace in the message of grace alone, that I never felt when people told me that I had to do something to go to heaven. I felt peace that I've never felt before. And I felt love in the church and in the kingdom. And you want to know all you got to do, all you got to do is just tell people about what a blessing it's been to you. And you're naturally going to tell those people that are close to you anyway. So just tell them about it. Okay, so so Andrew immediately goes, and he finds his brother and says, Look, we've been looking our whole life for the Messiah. I found him. I found him. And I want you to have the same blessing I got. Let's go follow him together. Right? And then Philip, Jesus comes and says, well, it's by Philip. He said, Follow me. Follow me. So what does Philip immediately do? He goes and found, finds his best friend, Nathaniel. And I guarantee you, Philip and Nathaniel had had those same conversations. We're looking for the Messiah. We desire to seek him and to serve him. And then when Philip finds him, he immediately goes and tells the person that he knows was dissatisfied with his current state. (laughs) And I guarantee you, every single one of you, every single one of you know people, good, already born again Christians that are dissatisfied in their current Christian environment and state. Every one of them. And you know what? I'd say this with all the humility in the world. I believe that every person is an old Baptist in their heart, even if their head never catches up. Because I'll tell you, what Jesus, Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory, I guarantee you Jesus is not in the child of God's heart saying, you've got to accept me, and if you accept me, I'll I'll give you a free pass to heaven. You want to know what, what Jesus Christ is saying in their heart? Salvation is by grace alone, by my finished work alone, and I receive all the glory and honor for the work of salvation. He's not saying in there, if you accept me, we can can split the winnings. Mm -hmm. Jesus is testifying in every single child of God's heart that salvation is solely by, by grace alone and by Christ alone, not by something that you do. And so every child of God already has that in their soul. Every child of God, I believe. Now, you may tell them, and their head may just dig their heels in, and and never. You know, there's people we've had conversations with that, uh, like that, with right. I mean, you can lay out the, all the verses, and they just, just put it as kindly as possible, they just willfully choose to reject the, the clear teaching of Scripture. And you know what? If you've had enough of those conversations, it's very humbling to just be reminded. We know it's true anyway, but sometimes you just have to be reminded of it. That you know what? If anyone is converted, it has to be the Lord that shows them, right? That's why, go back to step one. Go back to step one. Acts chapter one. How does the kingdom grow? Now, we're agents of, of the growth of the kingdom, but how does it grow? By the Holy Spirit, Right? Wait on the Holy Spirit, because you can tell them all the right things, and it's just so funny all these different interactions of people in the kingdom. You know, people that you know the preachers have hammered things home, and the you know family members, friends, or whatever they told them all the right things. You know, and then it's it's somebody else that for some reason says the exact same thing they've been telling them for years, and they said that's when I got it. Right? I've been telling you that for twenty years. Right? But for some reason, it took somebody else (laughs) telling them for it to click. So, sow seeds, lay a good foundation. But listen, God uses us, but we can't convert anybody. (laughs) We really can't. We have no ability to do that. But what we can do is pray to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit to move and to guide and to bless. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. The wild gathering. (coughs) The wild gather in and we don't know anything about him prior to this um this is all speculation you know but i, I, I kind of just wonder myself when this man was born again uh, was he born again when jesus cast out those devils uh to what degree this is a lot bigger topic to what degree um can a child of god be influenced by the devil or by uh, by other spirits by evil spirits clearly Peter was being influenced by Satan, even in the presence of Jesus, get thee behind me, Satan, there's some degree of influence that a devil and Satan can have on the child of God. Now, can they be fully possessed and all that? I don't know. I, you know just thinking logically, that makes me a little nervous. You know, I don't know how all that works. So I don't know if this man was born again when Jesus cast these out, or if this was a born-again man who put himself in a really bad spot and hung out with the wrong people and over time with his lack of repentance put himself in a bad enough position that he was fully controlled, his his actions were primarily controlled by by these evil spirits. Regardless, this man had prior relationships. You know, he wasn't crazy his whole life. He had prior relationships before the Lord cast these devils out. We're going to have to just skip to the end here. You know, this man, no man could tame him, busting restraints and fetters. No man could tame him. And then Jesus comes and casts them out, just overpowers those evil spirits. And then, Mark chapter 5 and verse 18, and when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him, that he might be with him. I want to follow you. Yeah, <laughs> of course you do, right? But he said, no, you've got another task. You're not, you're not going to be one of my 12 apostles. You have, you have a powerful testimony. And I'll tell you, people who, you, who saw you in the state that you were in, yes, there's a great testimony for you to go tell strangers about it. <laughs> but those people that saw you, those people that saw you when you were a crazy man, those people that saw you when no man could, those people that saw you who you used to be and then this, this deplorable state that you were in and now they see you sitting in your right mind, you have a bigger story to tell than being one of my 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. Those people that have seen you in, in your worst moment, you need to go tell them where you're at now <laughs> and tell them the only reason that I'm not where I was is because of Jesus Christ. But notice he's, he says, look, and this is, look, This is evangelism right here, okay? This is the bread and butter. This is how simple it is. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. That's evangelism right there. Okay? It's not that there's there's a place for testifying to strangers, but evangelism and the primary means by which God grows his kingdom is by following this wild Gadarean command. Just go home and tell your friends. He had a previous relationship with people. You see, they were already his friends. Now they couldn't be friends with him during the state he was in. It was too dangerous. They couldn't be friends with him, but they saw the deplorable state that he was in. And then when he comes back, sitting in his right mind and telling them about Jesus. What a powerful testimony of the power of God, you see? And because you already have a relationship with them and because they've seen you in the good and boy, they've seen you down in the pig pen. They've seen you at your worst. You have the privilege to tell them it's Christ that lifted me up out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and put a new song in my mouth. It's Christ that did this. And he said, look, there's there's a great blessing for you to go tell strangers about it and there may come a time for that. But you go tell the people that know you, that saw you at your worst state, go home and tell your friends and the reason why I am who I am today is because of Jesus Christ. Go home and tell your friends. And we all have that testimony I want us to understand that. We all have that testimony. (sighs) Boy, if the Lord could, praise God, he doesn't. But if he could peel back all the different layers of where we could be at in our life without at critical moments in our life, God blessing us in ways that we didn't deserve, boy, it's terrifying to think about where we would be at if God at, at... Of course, every day, but at at critical junctures of our life, if he had not blessed us with unmerited favor, boy, it's just just terrifying to think where we would be at without God's grace. We all have that testimony. We all have that testimony. And you have people that will listen to you. (laughs) You have people that trust you, that you already have a relationship with. And you're witness and testimony carries so much weight with them. And I pray by the direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, by the courage of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not easy. Especially if you've never done it before, it's not easy. It's not easy to get out of your comfort zone. But you know what? The Holy Spirit can bless you to do a lot of things that you'd be surprised that you can do when you're walking in the Spirit, you'd be surprised. And we all have that testimony. We all have that testimony of God's blessings in our life. And I pray that by the direction of the Holy Spirit that we can simple, follow the simple command, the simple command to go home and tell your friends. Go tell the people that you love and that you care about, that you have a relationship with. Just go tell them how great things the Lord had has done for you. And I wanted to get the effect of that in verse twenty. Notice this: He departed and went to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus has done for him, and all men did marvel. <laughs> Boy, you know uh, those people that uh, that saw that lame man in Acts chapter three jumping up around—is that the guy that's been sitting at the temple for? It, that looks like him, but he's not only he walking; he's jumping. It can't be him, but it looks very similar to him. When, when the wild Gadarean walked back into town, they're going to say, I mean, it looks like him, but that can't be him because he's acting normal. <laughs> you know, that, that powerful testimony that people were saying, you know, something looks different about them. They're acting different. And we have the blessed privilege to say, yeah, things are different. Things are different. And the only reason why is because of Jesus Christ. Point them to Christ. Point them to Christ and to His glory. May may see your good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And I pray that the Lord can use us by His Spirit to just be a witness. Go home and tell your friends what great things the Lord has done for you.
0: We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.